To turn back again to our readings in the book of Numbers and in the book of Joshua, keep those passages both open before you. I remember some years ago speaking to you on Numbers chapter 13, 14. But today we're going to look at the flip side of that and we're going to look at Joshua chapter 14. If as a Christian you've been feeling your age of late, I suggest Joshua chapter 14 is a very good chapter for you to meditate upon. I read this portion in the providence of God on my own birthday just a few weeks ago and I was greatly challenged and blessed through it. Oftentimes when we think of the aging process, we think of it as a slowing down process. Physically, of course, that's true. You're not able to do today what you once were able to do. But it does not mean that our spiritual vision for the Lord and the advancement of his cause and his kingdom has to be uh, diminished also. We come to Joshua chapter 14, this portion that we read together, verse 6 to 15. You'll find that Joshua now is 85 years of age. And he's reflecting back on his part as two of the spies of the twelve who were sent out into the land of Canaan. Forty-five years earlier he had gone out amongst this group of twelve. And him and Joshua were just a tiny, tiny minority. Only one-sixth only one sixth of the group. Sometimes we imagine Christians are in the majority. I don't think Christians have ever been in the majority, men and women. And they weren't in the majority here. Ten of the spies returned with a a deceitful report, an evil report. And they influenced others. They saw the giants, great and tall. They saw the problems. They saw the difficulties. And they wanted to run. And they wanted to run back to Egypt. And we read, it nearly is unbelievable to read it. After all the Lord had done for them, they wanted to make a captain and to go back into the land of Egypt and to become servants once again to Pharaoh and to the household of Egypt. They were full of unbelief. They looked at the giants. They saw themselves as grasshoppers and as the little chorus, they didn't see God was in it at all. And if you don't see God in it, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see the giants, you're going to see the problems, you're going to see the difficulties. And they influenced the whole congregation. And even in those dark days in Numbers chapter 13, 14, when the very life of of Caleb and Joshua were at stake, God intervened and God stepped into the camp that day and saved them. Caleb's forever known as the man who fully followed God. I don't think Joshua was any less a follower of God because God entrusted the whole leadership of the camp of Israel unto him and he became the successor uh, to Moses. But I was very touched in my own thinking how Joshua reflected on that day in chapter 14. Many commentators believe that uh, Caleb in Joshua chapter 14 was not an Israelite by birth. He was a proselyte to Judaism. He was incorporated into the tribe of Judah. And his faith stands in stark contrast to the ten faithless spies who accompanied him and Joshua into Canaan. Oftentimes the older we get, 
as we reflect back on years gone by, we like to tell of the stories that are accomplished. And we like to tell of the things that we did. And sometimes when you listen to older preachers, and yes, I know I fit into that category, but when you listen to the older preachers, it's all as it was away back in the day. And they like to tell you about those great days. And there are many preachers in the free church and, and they live in those great days. And I'm not disputing the great days. But I want to talk to you about this day and the days that lie ahead. Because that's what Caleb focused in and Caleb thought upon. I want you to take from Caleb today encouragement. And the encouragement is that at 85 years of age, Caleb lived for his day. He lived for his family. He lived for his generation and he wanted to claim his inheritance. And he came to Joshua with the elders of Judah and he said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 12, Give me this mountain. And he didn't ask for the easy part. He didn't ask for the plains. He didn't ask for the riverside. He asked for the mountain. He asked where the giants dwelt. He asked where all the difficulties were. What made them afraid in the first place. And he said, give me this mountain. And we're going to look at today how all of that unfolded. And how Caleb got the mountain. and What he did with it. Because it teaches us that we have to live for our day. Not a way back as it was 45 years ago. Don't be living back there men and women. Sometimes when you get older. And I've known this in so many older Christians. So many older preachers. They've just stepped back. And they've just stepped out of the arena. None of us are called to step out of the arena. Yes there are things that we can't do today. That we did 5-10 years ago. But we all, would, we all can do something today. For the Lord and for the advancement of his cause. So let's look at Caleb. Let's look at how he claimed his inheritance. And let's apply it to our own day, our own lives, our own generation. First of all, as we would claim our inheritance, I want you to learn from Caleb how he held on to God's promises. In verse 6, Caleb referred to the promise that God had made to him 45 years previously. He hadn't forgotten about it. He was holding on to it. He was standing on that promise. And we read in Numbers chapter 14 verse 24 and 30. How God had promised him that he would give to him an inheritance in the land of Caleb in Canaan. And now 45 years later he's coming to him. And he said I haven't got it yet but I'm looking for it. And in faith he was waiting for the fulfillment of that which was to come to him. The land that's referred to here in verse 12, commentators do believe that it's a reference to Mount Hebron because that's the place where the giants of Anak lived and all of their successors. The ten unbelieving spies, they looked at those giants. And if you and I had have looked at them, I don't think it would have been any different. But they looked at those giants and they concluded, we're just little grasshoppers. We're just little grasshoppers in the sight of these huge giants. And we can't defeat them. And we will never dislodge them. But in contrast. What did uh, Caleb say? If you just go back there for a moment or two. To Numbers chapter 
13. What did Caleb say? Verse Numbers 13 and verse 30. He stilled the people before Moses and he said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we're well able to overcome it. There wasn't one note of discouragement here. He said, let's do it, let's do it now, for we're well able to do it. In chapter 14, again, he spake to the children of Israel, and he said, if the Lord delight in us, it's, it's, all, it's all to do with the Lord, it's all to do with the intervention of the Lord. If the Lord delight in us, he'll bring us into this land. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Fear ye, fear ye not the people of the land, for their bread for us. Their defences departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. You might think of yourself today. Just as a, an 85 year old grasshopper. You might think I can't do what I once did. But with the Lord. If the Lord is with us. We can dislodge the giants of Anak. We can claim Hebron. We can claim our possessions for the Lord. The Lord is with us. Fear them not. Right on to his old age. What was Caleb do, doing? Well very simply. He was holding on to the promises of God. Caleb means a man who has a heart for God. His name, his name certainly lives up to his life. And he had a heart that was set on the promises of God. I want to say to all of you today. Right to old age. Right to the very crossing of Jordan itself. Hold on to the promises of God. Don't let go of the promises of God. Constantly in his, his conversation with Joshua here in chapter 14. He's referring back to what the Lord said. He hadn't forgotten it. He remembered it very clearly. Look at verse 6. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me. He was referring back to it. Do you remember it, Joshua? I remember it. 45 years ago, the Lord said this concerning me. You know, if the Lord really speaks to you, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. You'll not forget the promise that God gives you. Look at verse 10. It's just the same. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive as he said these 45 years. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses. What's he referring back to? The word of God. What God promised. What God had said. Every time. Verse 12. It's just exactly the same. And I'm very thankful for all of the promises that are in God's holy and precious word. And he's given us promises to stand upon. Peter said concerning the, the word of God. Second Peter 1 and 4. Uh, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. I'm, I'm thankful today for those exceeding great and precious promises. And perhaps many years ago, maybe it's 45 years ago, the Lord gave you a promise. And you're waiting in faith still today for its fulfillment. Well, don't give up on it. Bring it back in faith to the Lord. Pray it over before the Lord. Remind the Lord of his word to you. Stand on the promises. And I'm glad that those promises, and I want you to notice this, extended to the seed of Caleb. The ten unbelieving spies, they, they put up this pretense, we can't go and fight these giants because they'll not only kill us, they'll kill our children. And we want to preserve the children. 
But Caleb said, I'll fight the giants for my children. Do you see the difference? There's just a world of difference in his attitude. And brethren and sisters, as the church of Jesus Christ in 2023, you and I, we have been called to fight the giants because of our children. They're worth fighting for. I, I was blessed whilst I was off to read the, the life story of St. Augustine, who became the Bishop of Hippo in North Africa, modern-day Algeria. A marvelous story. As a young man, he, he led a very promiscuous life. His mother was a Christian. She was called Monica. And she remonstrated with him. She appealed with him. But the more she remonstrated with him, the more she appealed to him, the deeper he went into sin. Is that not a word for all parents here today? Sometimes the more you say, the further young people go. So she went to the bishop and she wanted the bishop to go and speak to her young son. He was in his teens. He had numerous, innumerable relationships. And she wanted to, the bishop to speak to this wayward profligate son of hers. But he was wiser than what Monica was. And he knew that such a remonstrating would not work with this young man. But she broke down in, in, before the bishop in tears. And she started to weep and she started to sob and she started to cry. Uh, and the bishop was greatly touched, greatly touched by what he, he witnessed. And he said to Monica, it is impossible that the son of these tears should ever perish. And she felt it was just a word from God for her heart. And she went back and she started to plead the promises of God for her son. And she claimed her son for the Lord. And the Lord intervened in his life. And that's another story. How God intervened in his life. And brought him to himself. It was just all of sovereign grace. And of the will of God. God stepped in. When God steps in. God turns lives completely around. But here was a dear woman. And she just held on to the promise of God for her son. She was facing the giants. I'm glad for such promises as Acts chapter 239. You know what Acts chapter 239 says? For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. We serve a covenant keeping God. What a blessed inheritance Caleb left to his children. And you can leave your children material wealth. And it's nice if you're able to do it. But it will mean nothing beyond the grave for them. It will not touch them in eternity. The best inheritance that you and I can bequeath to our children and our children's children and the children of the congregation and of the local community is a gospel heritage. children's children and to those that are far off. We know with John chapter 1 verse 11 and 12 that salvation is not of blood. We know that. But we do also know that we serve a covenant God 
and salvation does run in covenant families. But not just there. It's also for those that are afar off. What a merciful God we serve. We sang of him in our opening praise, Psalm 145. His mercy extends beyond our little number. Mercy extends to the generation that is coming. May the Lord show mercy to them. And may every parent be encouraged be encouraged to plead for their children. Stand on the promises. The promises of God. I know many of you had your children dedicated. Some of you had your children baptized. You made promises before God on that occasion for them. You stand. You stand on those promises. You stand on those solemn engagements with the Lord right to the very end. The second thing, notice with me, and our time, our time is really going fast today. I think time goes faster and on along and in other places. But you, you just have to bear with me today. <clears throat> verse 8, Joshua chapter 14 and verse 8. Our personal responsibility cannot be ignored. We, we can't divorce ourselves from it. It's a harbinger for good when parents wholly follow the Lord. Divine sovereignty does never ever negate our individual responsibility. Salvation's all of the Lord. I think every one of us would say amen to that. But does that mean then we can live as we please and do as we want as parents? Caleb fully followed the Lord. And he followed him from his heart because his heart had a different spirit. As an old man looking back to his original report concerning the land, he he said of Moses uh, and that he spoke from his heart. In verse 7 he said, Forty years old was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as was in mine heart. I, I love that little Last phrase, there are many professing Christians and they lose heart. They've lost heart. They're discouraged. Uh, And I want to encourage you in your own heart and in your own soul today, don't lose heart. Do not allow lukewarmness to creep in. Do not allow cynicism to creep in and to take away your heart from the Lord. Give your heart again to the Lord. If you're here today and you feel that coldness of heart, what do you do with it? You can't change it, but just bring that cold heart and give it to the Lord and ask the Lord to warm that heart of yours today, to give you that other spirit that Caleb had that will warm your heart for your own soul, for the children that are coming behind you and for the inheritance that you want to bequeath to them. Caleb had a different heart. Matthew Henry summarized how he served the Lord wholly. I've just simply adopted it. He served God unreservedly. That's that's how you fully follow the Lord, unreservedly. There was no part in his life that was held back. He was content. I see him carrying the grapes from the promised land as he was content to go back and fight the giants in the promised land. It wasn't about him. You see, that's the lovely thing about Caleb. It wasn't about him. It was about Leaving something for those that came behind him. 
There are many Christians and it's all about them. They have an artistic spirit. But Caleb's battle was for those that were coming behind him. And as Christians, I know we must seek the Lord in all things. And we must be careful in our private lives because our private lives will affect our public lives. Men and women fall in private long before they fall in public. We must not allow anyone to cherry pick what commands we can obey and choose to ignore the other commands. Let's seek to serve and follow the Lord fully. He followed him sincerely. He spoke the truth from his heart. Sincerity is always tested when we believe something or we prepared to stand up for it. And Caleb was prepared to stand up for it. Just him and Joshua, one sixth of the, the total of the spies, and they stood up, they told the truth. They Do you think those people wanted to hear the truth that day? No, they didn't. They wanted to hear a different report. They wanted to hear Joshua and Caleb agree with them and go back again into Egypt. And they were so enraged, we read in Numbers chapter 13, 14, that they spoke of, they, they were going to stone them. They didn't want to hear them. And Christians today are being squeezed out of the public arena. The, the, the general public doesn't want to hear what we have to say. But do we remain silent? We mustn't remain silent. There are many Christians today, and they wear crosses. I don't think Christians should be wearing crosses. But I think Christians should be prepared to bear the cross and carry the cross. And whatever the price is to pay it as a follower of Christ. He followed cheerfully. There's much to us to learn from, from his example. We, we read about giving. Of, I think this is often misquoted, Second Corinthians 9, 7. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Yes, that's a reference to what we give, our tithes, our offerings. I know that, but it's an attitude. It's an attitude of heart. It's an attitude of life, doing it cheerfully, not begrudgingly, not murmuring underneath the breath. It's just doing it cheerfully as unto the Lord and for the glory of Christ. And I just love this, that Caleb followed consistently. Consistency is a rare quality, men and women, in the day and age that we live in. Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. He's a young man of 40. Some of you are worried about being 40. Let me assure you, you're only starting out if you're 40. Now in Joshua 14, he's 85. But he's still the same Caleb. He hasn't lost his zeal. He's walking with God. He's serving God. He's a desire to do whatever God would have him to do. Consistently following the Lord. Dear mom and dad today, the greatest gift that you can give to your children is to consistently in public and in private, follow God. Now thirdly, notice with me how providence and provinces go together. That's wonderful to me. 
The providence and the fulfillment of God's promises go together. Verse 10 and 11. It's a marvelous testimony here from the lips of Caleb. The Lord, Jehovah, hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Would that not be the testimony of every true Christian today? Who is keeping you alive? The Lord is keeping you alive. The Lord has preserved you. He's kept you. He's spared you. And as he reviewed his life's journey, he could see how well he had been provided for. In the wilderness, he had fresh water every day. He had heavenly bread delivered to his doorstep. He had fresh meat. He had shoes that never wore out and clothes that never went done. He watched his contemporaries die by the way because of their unbelief. But step by step of the journey, mile by mile of the journey, and all of the wanderings in the wilderness of Sinai, God kept Caleb. God preserved him. And we're glad today that God still preserves his people. We believe in providence. That's why we've been kept. That's why we've been brought to where we are today. Why, dear brother, dear sister? Because God has preserved you. God has kept you. A few weeks ago, before we broke off, we, we looked at the Heidelberg Catechism. And question 27 says, What dost thou mean by the providence of God? Let me read it to you. And question 28. The Almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by his hand, he upholds and governs heaven, earth, and all creatures, so that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, and yea, all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. He upholds it all by his hand, and it's all brought to you and I by his hand. Question 28. What advantage is it to us to know that God has created us by his providence and still doth uphold all things? Answer. That we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and in all things which may befall us, we place our firm trust in our faithful God and Father, and nothing shall separate us from his love. Since all his creatures are so in his hand, and without his will they cannot so much as move. We're preserved. So here we have the, the providence of God, and it preserved Caleb all of those years. And as Caleb looked back in his life and he saw the unfailing providence of God providing for him, he was then enabled to look forward. And as he looked forward, he saw the giants, and he, he saw Hebron, and he saw the Anakims. Uh, and he said, I can do it. He said, through God, I can do it. I can reach to the end. I can make it to the end. And there are many of the sons of Anakin facing us as the church of Jesus Christ across the land today. And spiritually, we're battling. We're battling men and women. We're battling for the eternal welfare of our children and our children's children and, and those in the community. We're battling a great battle today. Us under no illusion. But like Caleb, we can say, if the Lord will be with us, we'll succeed. And through him we're more than conquerors. And with the power and with blessing of God on our side, the things that we think are impossible can be done for the Lord. 
I want to encourage you today. Don't allow people to say you're too old. That would apply to a lot of us, wouldn't it? Don't allow people to say you're too old. Abraham was 75 years of age when God called him to leave Haran. If he'd lived in Northern Ireland, he'd been getting the pension for 10 years. God called him to leave his homeland. Moses was 80 years of age when God spoke to him out of a burning bush and God sent him to lead the children of Israel. We think in Luke chapter 2 of Anna, the prophetess and, and old Simeon and their greatest work was in their latter years. Anna was 84 years of age. She had spent her whole lifetime praying and fasting and waiting for the coming of the, the, the promise of the Messiah and there just in her latter years she saw him. Simeon held him. I've been greatly encouraged thinking about those great men of a, of a bygone generation who just kept on preaching and kept on traveling and kept on serving. John Wesley. He kept preaching, he kept traveling, he kept serving until he was 88 years of age. 88 years of age. I, I think of some older saints that I've known in my own ministry and in the retirement years God kept their health good and they kept on serving. I think of the, the Munn family, that veteran missionary family from Carrick Fergus days. And I think of her sister, the late Janet Munn. She was in her 80s and she got on the bus. She walked from the top of the road in Carrick Fergus at the cemetery right down to the bottom and she got the bus up to Belfast. Why was she going up to Belfast? To visit old people in her 80s. To read the Bible with them, to pray with them, to share the gospel with them. When we started the children's meeting in Carrick Fergus many years ago, we had no workers. There was Linda and myself. There was no workers, but there were older people in the congregation. And I think of two old sisters, and they'd moved to Carrick Fergus from County Monaghan, a Miss Crosswell and a Miss Jolly. And they, they were the first workers that turned up at the children's meeting. And they had to walk. They had to walk about a, a probably a good mile to get into the meeting and they came down in their trainers walked down in their trainers into the meeting and they sat amongst those children and they ministered to them and they shared the love of God with them I, I think of our, our late brother old Wesley Chambers and Wesley delighted every week to come along to the children's meeting and he was there to give out the sweets and in those retirement years whilst health permitted Right up into his, well into his 80s. He, he never missed a meeting. Our mission board and our own presbytery have retirement policies. Yes, and I know them and I accept them. And this isn't an announcement today that I'm going to be here till I'm 85 like Caleb was. But I think of the Reverend Noel Kelly. I think of his wife Stella. And when they retired, they sold up what they had in England. And they invested it. 
in Uganda. And they went out there. And they started the Emmanuel Church and School. Pensioners. I met them. For the first time down in Newcastle with uh, our brother George McConnell, we went to talk over with them their plans, their visions, long before it ever came to the mission board or the presbytery. And I couldn't get over this old couple who had started a school and a church in Uganda. On the seeds that they planted, they're still bearing fruit. Do not allow people to tell you you're too old. Say you're finished. Do not allow people to say you're too young. What could you do? There's something we all can do for the Lord. Caleb didn't ask for the easy job. He asked for Hebron. And you can read further on because time will not permit us to go there. He took possession. Joshua was dead when he took possession. But he took possession of Hebron. And it eventually became one of the cities of refuge where the manslayer could flee to. And where the Levites were given the, the suburbs to live in and to make their, their living from. I, I want this church in Analong to be like Hebron. I want it to be a place where we fight the giants. I want it to be a place where an inheritance is staked and claimed. I want it to be a place where the next generation will be as secure as the present generation in the gospel legacy and heritage that we will leave for them. That means today you and I have to wholly follow the Lord. Don't give up. I'm saying this to all of you, to the oldest, to the youngest. Don't give up. Keep pressing on until the trumpet sounds and until God calls us to cross over Jordan and reach higher ground.